we make all kinds of connections from our neighbors to our co-workers from family members to people we interact with in business every day what about the connections we make to ourselves? today we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives this is things worth considering with hosts gord riddell and alexia georgiusis it's time to consider the possibilities Good evening and welcome to Things Worth Considering. We're a weekly talk show that we like to present ideas for you to ponder, ideas to disagree with, and of course, things that are worth considering. I'm your host, Gord Riddell, and I am here with my co-host, the ever-curious naturopathic doctor, Alexia Georgiusis. Hey. Hey, hello, hey. Gord. How, you do- How Canadian <laughs> was that? Hey, how you doing? I haven't hey, seen you for a, a week. Exactly. <laughs> it was more of a hey, hey, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been a week. Um, just to remind people that we are live on the air, and if you wish to uh, give us a call, we would love that. It's a toll-free number. In North America, it's one 346 9141 And from international, it's 001 I'll repeat them a little bit later on in the show, just in case you didn't catch them. But we would love to hear from you anywhere in the world. So, Alexia, before I introduce our guests, do you ever find yourself asking why can't people just be real and honest and get them to speak to you? I do. And I think I also ask myself that question. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sometimes I'm not aware of my inauthenticity. I find that a lot of people's communication is just so habitual. You know, you yes. once you know somebody, you just know that, you know, you're being positioned to be asked a favor or, you know, in other words, you're being set up or the explanation that you're you're being given as to why something is the way it is, is bullshit. You know? Right. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, <laughs> let's start asking someone before we even, you know, get going on it is like, why don't I just hand you a shovel and we can start right there. Right. Uh, it's... You know, it's kind of a lot of a lot of bizarre stuff. Uh, I think in our communication, and it it's really well learned. Um, let me introduce you to a communication specialist here. I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Taylor Brack. Taylor has committed his life to developing communication that leads to authentic relating. He is the co-vision holder and one of the leaders. I love that co-vision holder and one of the leaders for Authentic Relating Toronto, uh, commonly called Art. Uh, Art is an organization which offers drop-in practices and courses, trainings, and special events related to authentic uh, relating and circling. Uh, His mission and the professional development consulting group uh, that he has also co-founded, Emergent uh, Developmental Concepts, is to bring meditative and contemplative practices into the mainstream to aid individuals and society in moving through to their next stages of development. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for How are you? Nice to have you I, here. I'm uh, I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, just just look around where you're sitting, and you know it doesn't matter that there's thousands listening. It's okay. You know. Uh, <laughs> Hard. <laughs> no. It's not that. And yet it's there. Just remember, breathe, breathe. You know that it's always helpful. Um, so I I love this. So seven years ago you. You, after separating from your wife, uh, you you got you took an authentic uh, relating event of some sort. You took it in without any expectation. It was like, yeah, it's something else to go and do. 
Um, I like that, though, you know, and you were totally blindsided by the whole experience, and you had a, a new girlfriend out of it, which is now your wife. <laughs> I love it. I think I'm going to have to take one of these. Was this all within a week? <laughs> Well, uh, th- to be clear, she was already my girlfriend. She's actually the one who found it and invited okay. me. Okay. Okay. Uh, but it was Good really for her. Early. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was really early in our relationship. And it just, you know, we spent a few hours just sitting in the park because we, we held it in the park on Canada Day. And the way we started talking to each other just changed. Really? really? Think about that experience had us get more to the truth of what we were experiencing with each other in the moment. Yeah. So we just, after that, we just did every, every event that was available and then did all the trainings and now we run the thing. That's amazing. Fantastic. Fantastic. And both of you were obviously like, you know, really turned on by just the experience itself to actually go on and like both of you to, you know, pick it up as your careers. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's huge. And the way we sort of looked at it is, you know, I think, couples that really work together, they have a shared context. And for some people that might be, you know, religion or church. And for us, it was personal development. So the fact that we like could do this thing and we valued it highly for the both of us, it just gave us this thing that we could do together, experience together. You know, we could talk about what our experience was when we were separated in the group and then come back together. Like it just became a real, a real um, uh, like gravity for, um, for building our relationship. Wow. Wow. That's great. So how do you, how do you see, the, you know, the concept behind authentic relating affecting individuals' lives other than yours? Cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly the piece, you know, that, that I came out of where it was like, I didn't know it was possible to have a relationship like this. Hmm. My, my concept of what love was changed. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, it like completely opened my eyes. And I've seen this um, with other people who have, you know, come through and, um, you know, committed themselves to these, you know, practices. Um, really, at the end, you know, it's just sort of about trying to have the kind of relationships that you want or that you didn't even know you could have. Right. Um, and I, I just see that happening quite, quite frequently, especially with, you know, some of the more... Um, uh, potent practices that we have. It just, you know, I think one of the guys who sort of founded circling, he says, you know, like circling is a good circle is sort of that experience when you see the world one way. And then when you come out of the circle, it occurs to you in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Let it sounds like circling. it's really, there's a base of, of without, without using the language of mindfulness or consciousness or spirituality, whatever that means, but it's, it seems that it is another way, and I don't want to use it as a methodology um, at all, but another way that people are able to sort of meet the present moment with themselves. Oh, yeah, definitely. You yeah. know, includes, includes them, themselves. Because I'm really curious, Taylor, for you and for, for your wife, jo- Joanna is her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so so with how this ended up helping you in your ability to um, be vulnerable with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how would I answer that? It's, it's, it's something about 
you know, it's this meditation, like most of our practices are a form of a meditation, not like a breath meditation, like a meditation of being more aware, expanding your awareness of what's currently here. And these practices sort of put you into that state that when you're in a conversation, you can start to notice, although it, it takes time to practice these, or uh, to build these muscles, but you start to notice what's happening. Like, oh, my chest is getting tight. What's that about? And then you can sort of name it, you know? So then you sort of, you start to presence like really deeply on a whole other level. You know, it's not the argument or the discussion. It's the thing that's happening underneath the argument or the discussion. Like right. I'm feeling really defensive. Oh, I notice I want to push you away. You know, and to be able to get to sort of that place of, of a deeper truth of the moment, it builds so much trust, um, at least in my experience, because mm -hmm. um, you have a better sense of, especially for me and my wife, who are both trackers, you know, we, we very much sort of grew up with that capacity to track. So for us to be able to name for each other what's happening for us, it just, you know, can kind of keep the, uh, the window of tolerance, you know, to use a you know, a trauma-informed uh, statement mm -hmm. or, um, or the nervous system sort of, you know, within, within a, a realm of lower, lower reactivity. Right. Can you elaborate just on what a tracker is? Because I don't know if everybody would understand that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, really what it is, is it's, it's this thing that I think most of us adopt unconsciously, um, you know, either as probably as children. Um, where it's really important for us to get a sense of where the people we rely on, where they're at, say, emotionally, oh, yeah. energetically, for us to feel safe. Yep. Um, and not everybody Facial needs expressions. It. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 And not everybody needs it. It just, you know, it sort of depends on the environment that you're growing up in. And that starts to be really important. So when you don't really know where somebody's at, you know, relative to you, it can be um, alarming. There could be, you know, some tension in the body. There could be some activation. Uh, there'd be distrust. And, you know, and a lot of our, our bids for connection in that are like to try to get a sense of where are you at? How, how are you doing? You know? Yeah. Or, or how am I doing? How am I, how am I doing in my communicating with you? So I'm looking yeah. for you to give me that feedback. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So it's not just where are you at. I need to know where I'm at with you mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was, you know, for me growing up, it was coming home and seeing the expression on a certain parent's face as to whether we came in or we went out again. <laughs> you know, uh, it was, and it was such a facial, you know, facial recognition thing. It's helped me enormously in my, my career. Yep. I mean, it's, it was good training. Thank you. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, it, it was also... You know, I'm very aware of how I use that today, you know, in yeah, being able to read it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, sort of this one thing that's interesting about personal development is sometimes people sort of come into it with like, something's wrong with me and I need to fix it. And mm -hmm. um, that's sort of a whole other discussion. But the interesting thing is the thing that's, you know, quote unquote, wrong with you can actually become your superpower. Like this thing that's happened to you and the way in which you learn to sort of cope with it, to sort of survive, it can actually be a thing that's hugely in service and balances out later in life if you recognize it and know how to use it. Right. So. Well, and I really like what Very you mentioned point. about self-trust or trust. And and I'm, I, I was understanding that as deepening of the trust of the self as we become more aware of our experience and noticing our experience. Because... 
you know, that, that idea of integrating, I believe, starts with the sense of awareness of our own experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is, you know, trusting ourselves to be authentic. I don't know if anybody knows what that means, really. You know, it's it's like how do you how do you know? And I think it's maybe more of the felt sense that awareness when you were saying about you know your your breathing or just the tightness that's there, and and for me that kind of deepening of whether you want to call it mindfulness or just experience, and also becoming more sensate mm-hmm. allows I would imagine, and it allows I know for myself a sense of expansiveness that can you know, you can, you have much more capacity, yes. but it starts with the self in my experience. Yeah, I would say, um, I think that's true for a lot of people and in my experience as well. Um, I mean, that's something that you need to develop, but that can be a thing that's super weak um, and not, not a developed capacity for us to really even know what it is that we want or where we, where we're at. So sort of going back to the thing that, you know, Cord was saying, it's like, where am I or where am I relative to you? Um, that becomes important, but sometimes it's just important for us to be able to figure out where are you so that we can feel safe, so that we can actually go inside and be vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, as we do these practices, then we can start to notice the subtle distinctions within ourselves. you know, because we feel safe. You know, and this isn't a framing that we use, but this is the underlying sort of psychological um, foundation that's sort of here when it comes to how to do communication um, in a sustainable um, and enriching way. Yeah. I think the other part of trust, um, too, is knowing that you can take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. No matter what the other person asks of you, wants from you, expects from you, that you can sort of hold your own and you can meet it, you know, as opposed to avoiding anything and everything, is that you can say, say no. Or yes, you know, depending on what the situation is. But I think really that trust of self is is uh, a lot of people just don't have that. You know, they feel like they're just going to be crushed, you know, by certain certain people or or personalities or whatever. You know, oh. so trust is so multi leveled. I mean, it really is a very complex, you know, uh, complex idea to begin with. You know, yeah. Tell me about circling. You've mentioned it a couple of times, and I haven't had the privilege of coming to an event, which, of course, is going to be waiting for a while now. Um, but uh, what is circling? So circling is, um, at least in the type that we do at Art, it's, um, we, we tend to do what's called birthday circling. On a birthday circle, what we do is somebody sort of volunteers to have the group's attention, and they become the focus of the gravity of our attention. And... Really, the, the, the deepest goal of circling is to be more fully present right here, right now with each other. However, what we do or what our intention is if, you know, we're uh, part of the circle and not the circle is we're trying to get that person's world. We're trying to be with them in their world. So it's almost like, um, so we'll, you know, we'll ask particular questions that sort of get us closer to what their authentic experience in the moment is. And then we also reflect back to them what it's like for us to be with them. So it becomes this, you know, mutually reciprocating um, covenant um, is, a, is a great word that I like for, for circling, um, mm. where it just creates this sort of uh, loop um, 
that uh, allows us often, not always, um, but allows us to go deeper and start cutting through the layers of our present reality and getting to deeper and deeper truths of what's really here. Um, that's more of an explanation sort of how it looks, but it's really just a group intersubjective meditation practice. You know, well, it sounds like initially, uh, I mean, I, as you know, I, I attended one of uh, the sessions uh, a number a few years ago, but I, there wasn't a circling experience. But yeah. what you're describing sounds initially um, a little intimidating on some <laughs> level. Um, I would, I think, I would find that a bit challenging. With also with strangers, you know, one of what that would be something I would be. I think for myself a little bit like, oh, I don't know what to expect here. And and I, I, it sounds like it's probably your coach through it or there's supports in place, um, you know, to, to actually go through this. Is that correct? Um, well, what we tend to do is we certainly set up the container for people who are new to it. We set it up with warm-up exercises. We explain what circling is. We talk about the agreements about circling that helps inform how we're going to be with each other in the space. And we do seem to find that for the most part, that kind of helps. And there's always space, you know, if you have any questions. Um, and, you know, I can talk for a half hour. I can go through all those explanations for somebody who's new to it. And they still don't really know what it is. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is a lived experience. Oh, totally. And I mean, I remember when me and my now wife first went to an event and, you know, it's like, who wants to be circled? I'm like, no way. And my wife is like, she decided to do it, but she thought it was going to be like, she's in the hot seat. Right. And people mm. just like, and like, yes. like no control at all. Right. Like, like she's just it's like, a bit what it sounds like. Yeah. It sounds like that. Like, like that old confrontational, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, early, early 60s therapy. Yeah. And yeah. yet the circle, the person being circled actually has the most power. Interesting. It just well, I think we way. need to take a break here. So I think we should like just take off and circle for a few minutes around each other. And we'll be back in about <laughs> two minutes. And we'll carry on knowing more about what circling really is all about in uh, authentic relating. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. 
Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, and welcome back. Um, we are with Mr. Taylor Barrett. I'm looking at phone numbers. That's why I'm losing it. I'm sorry, Taylor. Uh, I want to remind you that we, uh, we do have phones open that you can call us toll-free, uh, 1-888-346-9141. And for international callers, it's 001-480-553-5760. And as I said, we do welcome your call. And uh, Taylor would love to hear from you no matter where you are in the world. Taylor, <laughs> we've all landed now. We were circling there for a minute. Tell us, tell us more about it. I, I think people are, are going to find this quite fascinating. Yeah, so it's, you know, I, I project. Think, I find it fascinating. Yeah, I appreciate I'll own it. owning that. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's a central part to circling. One of our agreements is, is to own your experience. It's one of the central mm. pieces of, of sort of how we're showing up in relationship with each other in this group meditative conversational practice. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's, it's just, I don't know, there's, there's so much that could be said about circling. I mean, usually there's whole, whole hours or two hours, you know, I've, I've watched the, the guy who's fat, you know, said to have found circling do talks on it and all his talks about circling, you know, you can look at one, one week and then he says something completely different about it. The other one, and it's not because it's not because, um, you know, there's any great mystery to it. It's just, there's something about the way in which we're engaging with uh, with each other and the perspective that we take uh, from each experience, so much is available. There's just so much more available. Like, you know, you can you can sort of have this one circle and notice something happens, you know, when somebody says something and you can just say like, oh, I just like, I feel really angry when I heard that. And it's like, then it's like, why? Why am I angry about that? You know, like there's just so much available in, you know, in um, being in relationship where you have this shared context to sort of speak the truth of what's happening right now. Um, yeah, you know, it reminds me of when I started getting into this work. I read a book, not necessarily a fantastically written book, but it was something about like um, a guide to the present moment. And this um, author, I think his name was Noah Elcrave. Um, his whole, you know, and I didn't have any context of this, you know, presence was like a new word to me at that time. I didn't really get what he was getting at, except he just drilled it into my head, you know, and it was this experience. Um, you know, the analogy is, is, you know, you look at a tree, most people look at a tree and they'll judge it on like, oh, it's a nice tree, but you know, I've seen better or, oh, I noticed the trunk is a little skinny. Like there's some sort of assessment about the tree. Yep. But the idea of being fully present is you look at the tree and it's just as if you've never seen a tree before. And it's awe and beauty just like hits you 
And that can happen in circling. Like you can have that awe experience of seeing something, even with somebody you know, like even if I could still circle my wife, we've been together for, I don't know how many years now, seven years, over seven years. And if we were to go into a circle and we were to get really deep into it, there's going to be something that gets revealed in that circle that I wasn't able to see before. Um, it's just, it's such an interesting practice. Um, I, yeah, I just, I, I don't really know, I don't really know what to say about it. You know, I, I wish well, we could. What you've described, I think, is, is yeah. excellent because it's, yeah. it's a shared meditation. I like that idea of being shared and reciprocity and extreme safety. So it's very, very supportive for someone to be able to acknowledge and name because it sounds like there's a few of the, you know, whether it's from Buddhism or whatever concepts that, that touch into being able to recognize and, and name and acknowledge and accept. And also the idea of, you know, a meditation is, is just being present, is just being able to be completely with whatever is here. But yeah. The circling, it sounds, now I'm not so intimidated by it, but who knows, right? Maybe it would be in the moment. But <laughs> but, the, but at first I was like, oh my God, it's like, you know, a predator is going to just pick me apart or predators because it, it, it feels like, wow, when you're in the center of someone's attention. But what you're describing is that it's very supportive. Hmm. I think yeah. what's interesting is, is that it's very sad to say that statement. You know, my experience is, is that, you know, to be, to be in the center of someone's attention is, is because... We're not used to that. Exactly. We're used to going for dinner or, say, even coffee with friends back in the olden days. And they're looking around, you know what I mean? They're just all over the place. No one's looking at you, yeah. you know, or, or holding your sight or, or whatever. Uh, um, you know, just that being in the moment. Like, hey, look at that one over there. Hey, she's really hot. He's really hot. You know, whatever. It's like crazy, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so, so really, so when we talk about authentic relating – uh, I mean, you you sort of said it. I'm just coming from a different, slightly different angle, and that is what what stops us from being able to do that. We all want it, you know. We yeah. all want people to be honest with us. We try as much as we can most times to be honest. But you know, they, they, I love the word transparency. That's the new. That's you know, kind of the buzzword out there. Governments need to be transparent. That's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> you know, so. It's what gets in the way of us doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think um, it can be really scaring and confronting to be deeply seen. You know, mm. I, imagine, I imagine, you know, you're fully aware of this concept, uh, Gordon, but, you know, there's obviously the ego and then there's our true self. Yep. And, you know, our true self, we tend to protect. And we all tend to protect. I mean, I'm, I'm protecting it to some degree right now. Mm -hmm. um, you still uh, I just checking in. Significantly less so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's still there. I can still feel the tightness in my stomach. Like I can still feel there's a bracing. There's still something, you know. Right, right, right. And um, and you know, going back to that piece about trust, it's like I also mm. trust myself that it'll be okay. Right. Like, oh, right. I've been through this before, you know. Okay. Sort of like resilience about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, I think it's it's just super confronting. I think a lot of the time we spend more of our attention focused on what we want to be than who we really are. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's actually a great point. Yeah, I think it's one of the beautiful things about authentic relating is 
we are asking people to show up as you are, not your idealized version of yourself. Like, can we get to the truth of what's really here? And then maybe we can actually appreciate these things that sometimes, you know, like other people could appreciate this thing that I don't like about myself or I, I think is wrong or I think is bad. Um, those moments when they happen, you know, when, when somebody says something that they think is wrong and somebody's like, oh, I'd so much prefer you, you do what you're doing. You know, it's like, what? You know, it's like, yeah. you know, they just, it, it, you know, the stories we tell ourselves to stay comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And well, the stories and, and, that people reinforce too, like our parents and, and family structures and teachers and all that kind of stuff. They're short what, what, I, what I like about this as well is that, you know, I was listening to a, a, a podcast on with uh, Pima Chodron and she was just talking about embracing the self, except what I find with what I'm assuming and what I'm understanding from authentic relating is that it, it almost fills a gap where the concepts or the conceptualization of being mindful and being present and being, you know, grounded in the body. What I see with authentic relatings and what I've experienced is that it is, it is a, a way that uh, fills the practicality that brings it from something that's just, I'm going to sit alone in my meditation, shut the world out and I'm, I'm, I, you know, that we can read all the theory that we want and the words about how do we accept ourselves, how do we integrate, unless there's something practical that is in an action form, and especially with being witnessed in my experience, that I find that is what I see authentic relating is feeling such a, a need, such a need right now, forever, really, but, but, but now especially, you know? Yeah, totally. It, we're setting up a space where we all know what it is that we're going to do. And that thing is, is we're going to get more true, more here right now with each other and attempt to see and be with one another. And once you have that context, you know, you can sort of play full out within it. Um, it can still be super intimidating. It can still be really scary. But I mean, just the amount of, of love or joy or, you know, sort of the way in which you talk about support um, is available there. Um, because we're all doing it with, you know, I think we're all doing it with love. You know, somewhere there's this intention, you know, to to come closer to our true selves, you know, which is largely theorized is simply love. Right. Um, but to do that with other people, to sort of share these moments of these really scary things, but to go through them together, you know, like you just do a simple exercise where you say, I notice I'm anxious. And the other one, other person's like, I notice I'm nervous. Well, yeah like we're halfway there already and we don't get mm. that you know through the checkout line or even hanging out with our friends at the restaurant right you no know, like, nope. like just don't because the and the context is so important you know like if you could actually go into your next dinner and notice you're disappointed with the conversation like you could pull out a, an exercise and say like how about we go back and forth for a few minutes and just name the thing we notice the most it could be a feeling or a sensation or a thought and we just go back and forth for a few minutes. And like the immediacy of how, like we should demo this, but the immediacy at which that will happen by just naming what's happening right here, right now, yeah, yeah. it just opens the possibilities, you know, like that weren't there five minutes earlier. Right, yeah. right. It's, and one of the things I, I found, Taylor, and I'm curious, when I attended one of the events, um, I was so surprised, but pleasantly surprised that, I believe over half of the participants were men. 
Mm-hmm. And I was shocked. I was totally shocked mm-hmm. because anything so else real. that I've typically gone to is often dominant women. I mean, dominated by women. And it's not a bad thing or anything. It was just an observation. But I, I found this very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's, t- that's typically the way it goes. We're, we're pretty, pretty even and have a pretty broad age range as well. Um, you know, people in their 20s up to people uh, actually in the early 60s. Um, uh, I think my father, when he came to him, when he was still alive, he was in his 60s. Oh, he um, came to one. How wonderful. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the people who've been able to, um, like, integrate what they're doing with their family and have them sort of. Wow. How did they change your relationship with your dad? I mean, well, two men doing this kind of work is really interesting. Yeah. Like, you know, especially it, a father and son dynamic. Uh, I mean, it's just. I, I was able to see him so much more differently than the stories that I had created as a child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was huge. Like just, I couldn't imagine what, you know, his final months would have been like if I hadn't done this. I think I'd still wow. struggling to process that. Sure. But I had this ability and this capacity to say what I needed to say and to hear the things that I wanted to hear from him. Like I had that, that um what's the word i'm looking for it's not um courage i had the courage you know that i wouldn't have had before to to have those sort you know so the idea that you know my father to you know in his final days to be able to hold him while he's crying and for me to feel completely grounded and not worried about what people are thinking or anything like that it's a beautiful gift that, oh wow so healing so healing well that's awesome that's really awesome to hear yeah well, um, yeah, I, I just also commented on the fact that there seemed to be a lot more men. Um, in, that was just in my reading and in terms of pictures. And I only read the pictures, but, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, but that's how I felt. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, I was really, because I'm, I'm used to, you know, 80% of my students are, are female. Uh, mm. yeah. And bringing men into anything that has any, you know, feelings, what? Uh, you know, and spirituality and so on, they're all, you know, interconnected. But, you know, yeah, it's very difficult to get men to, to really realize how impactful that is to change our life. Well, I wonder if it's, I don't know, you know, Taylor, I'm not sure if this is accurate, but I was reading a little bit about the, the founders or how it started with these two men in California and San Francisco. But I, I actually wondered if there was something generational, but also was it because the energy of these two men made it very practical to um, experience their, you know, it was like conf- uh, sort of conflict resolution on a, on a different level, but very, very personal. And, and I, I think that I wonder if that makes it safe for guys for, for a lot of men to go, oh, you know, these these guys are going to this. That's what I'm, I'm very curious about it. Yeah, I'm, I, I wish I, I don't know that I really have an answer about, you know, why there's so distinctly a difference. I think my guess is there's something about the way in which we approach it, that it doesn't necessarily um, skew to a gender, even though there is a lot of talking about feelings. But we also do not dismiss, you know, um, sense-making or rational thought. Um, we're still really just trying to be with you as you are. And if it's hard for you to access feeling words, we're still here with you. 
Um, I think a lot of people sort of come into it more from a social anxiety standpoint, which I think probably equally impacts men as much as it does women. In fact, Mm -hmm. probably more for Mm -hmm. men would be Mm -hmm. my guess. Um, But I've also noticed that I think, you know, they come in with whatever the reason is that has them there, and it can be a lot of different reasons, but they come out of it and they, they, I think they realize there's something of substance there, you know, and there's like a real opportunity to, you know, post-process that experience, which I think is probably something that's a little more innate uh, to the masculine to turn around and like logically pick something apart and look at right. the, <laughs> yes. underneath it. And that's available. And then, of course, um, you know, what might be more typically feminine or female is there's the connection, there's the holding, like it's a holding container. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, you know, we can all sort of engage our curiosity from, you know, wherever we are on the spectrum, sort of engaging with each other. When he mentioned the thing about, you know, about the men, it reminded me of this one time we, uh, we used to not tell people what the theme was for our, for our connection lab events. We used to save it until people showed up. And we had this one event where it was, uh, 18 guys and two women. And one of them was my, my wife, the, the co-facilitator. And the whole theme was about love. And it wow. was like when I named that, you know, and the guys <laughs> and we're like, oh, how's this going to go? You know? Yeah, and, yeah. you know, and at the end, you've just got a group of guys just like pouring their hearts out and crying and hugging each other. You know, it was just so, it was so beautiful. Very powerful. Yeah, it's hugely powerful. Yeah. I, I think it's like fantastic. Men's groups, uh, like intensives for like four or five days and mm-hmm. uh, just a same group meeting and, you know, very, very powerful. Yeah, and this this was after three hours. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's Absolutely. the thing about authentic relating is you can go in to an event, not know whether the person's married, not know what they do for a job, whether they have kids. And I had these experiences where I knew somebody at a deeper level than my quote-unquote best friends at the time. <laughs> People yeah. who I spent hundreds of hours with for a year, and I just spent 20 minutes with this guy in an exercise and I've got a better sense of, of his humanity than, than yeah. some of my friends. Like, it's just... Yeah, Interesting. It's fantastic. Interesting. We need to take a break here. Um, we will be back in two minutes. You're listening to Things Worth Considering, and we'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories, it is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. 
transformational arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Uh, just a reminder you can give us a call. This is our last segment that you can talk to Taylor, 188. Uh, 346-9141, toll-free anywhere in North America, and internationally, you can call 001-480-553-5760, though I don't have these memorized, um, <laughs> all these numbers, uh, but please, uh, do feel free to give us a call. Um, so, we were talking, um, and I asked you, actually, as we were going to break, um, it reminds me a little bit of sort of shadow work, and you said... What did you say? Yeah, well, I mean, actually, the thing that I said to you isn't wholly true because right before uh, COVID lockdowns, I, I created a new workshop to to bring to people on actually introducing people to the shadow, the concept of the shadow, of the shadow, yeah, and to do some shadow work, so giving them a practice. So that is something that I see is very tightly integrated with this idea of like relational leadership, like you know more self-trust and being with other people, more self-awareness, introspection. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I would say probably, you know, the way in which it would play out is you could be in a circle and you could get reflections back from others in, you know, the circle that sort of named the, what we call the water you're swimming in, you know, the the thing that you you weren't aware of, which is quite often what shadow is. It's this thing that sort of hides and we don't identify with. You get these reflections back that suggest like, oh, maybe there's some truth to this. And then there's, you know, an opportunity, um, not generally in the, you know, in the event of recircling, we're not going to go into a shadow process to, to try to work with it, but it, it allows you to maybe bring that work into something you're doing with your therapist or to bring into such a, a workshop like uh, the shadow one that I was running in, um, in December. Yeah. Yeah. It requires a fair amount of uh, reinforcement or just, you know, uh, support when people are doing it, people are very, people are terrified of the shadow. And yet there's some amazing things in the shadow, you know, there really is. A lot of power in there as well. Yeah. All the stuff that, you know, like um, I would say that, you know, uh, uh, sort of creativity, we didn't, in my family, we didn't have music, you know, I mean, my parents were dancers, you know, but it wasn't, you know, uh, organ, you know, organs and, and pianos, like all my friends had and stuff like that, you know? And so it was kind of like then, you know, later in life is, is I began to do shadow work, like all this creativity started to show up, you know? And it was amazing. It was like, wow, it was just sitting there, you know? Um, because it just simply wasn't available because of who or what my life circumstances were at that time. And Taylor, you said something um, earlier, and I, it's it's not really it's sort of divergent from the shadow part, but it was around the trust and and what I am thinking about is that when we have a sense of trusting that we're going to be okay, even if we're nervous, even if we're anxious or whatever, that that builds confidence. Oh yeah, mm. sure. And and I'm curious if you've found that with your own experience as well as the people that attend. And, and are part of the group. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, just one of the the coolest things to do is to train a facilitator and then watch them over years, like build on their practice and their capacities and like remember where they were at and seeing where they're at now and that trajectory. It's, you know, it's fantastic to be able to see that, you know, and where you can see they have so much more choice. Um, you know, I often still get messages from, from people who are just like, oh, this thing happened to me and I, I handled it this way and I just want to thank you, you know, which is, you know, fantastic to hear. Like it's, mm. it, it makes real change. Like this isn't, yes. you know, this isn't like a thing, like while most of the, the hard work happens in the event for us to allow ourselves to feel the uncomfortable feeling and survive it, you know, that takes all the courage, but then, you know, trying to transition it outside of that into real life. That's like the next stage. And that's really hard work too. But everybody who does it, uh, I don't know anybody who's ever regretted it, you know, like, yeah, yeah. like there's this unfortunate thing that I see that happens, you know, in some ways, I don't know that this is um, appealing for a lot of people, but I think it does speak <laughs> to the potency of it is um, you start to lose all the friends you have. <laughs> And it's not because you've become this bad person or they're this bad person. You just start to notice, wow, this relationship doesn't serve me, you know, and you, you can try to bring, you know, these intentions into it, but not everybody's ready for it. Not everybody's ready to grow. Not everybody's ready to get down to, to the truth of what's really happening. Um, It's like when you quit drinking, you have to give up your drinking buddies. Yeah. 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 I think, I think the same thing happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's, it's this one um, thing that sounds like, oh, no, but it's, it's pretty consistent. You know, if you really start to um, go to this next stage of development, we can call it, um, or at least I'll call it, um, <laughs> where we really start to see sort of the matrix, you know, like mm-hmm. really start to see the reality that's mm-hmm. there underneath everything. Yeah. Um, it becomes really uncomfortable to... Um, be in cahoots with with everybody to to shield that or to bullshit one another like once you get that taste of the truth and start to notice how it impacts and improves and enriches i mean at least enriched my life i'm not interested in the bs anymore i'm not interested in in enabling you know that particular piece like you know I'll, i'll care for you and sort of affirm how you're feeling, but I'm not going to like sit there the whole time and just watch you repeat the pattern over and over and over again and repeat the same story over and and over and over again. And you can have, you can have compassion for sure. But I think when you open that level of awareness and drop into that state, you can't really go backwards. You, You can't go back to how it was the alignment, the vibration, whatever you want to call it, it, it just doesn't align. And, and then I think it makes it really challenging to stay authentic with the relationship. But mm-hmm. I, I also think there's a practice around not necessarily pushing people away, but realizing that the relationships change because our relationship to ourselves has changed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, literally, what, the way I see it is I've grown and I've outgrown this other thing, like, And it's not the person, it's just what that relationship represented, you know, like, oh, maybe it was like a security blanket for me in some way. And now I don't need that anymore. I want more truth. I want somebody who's going to help me grow. I want somebody Mm. who's going to call me out on my BS. I don't want somebody who's going to, you know, like act like I'm not being an asshole. I want somebody to say like, hey, I'm really pissed off that you said that to me. And I want to push you away right now. But, you know, I love you. What's going on with you? Right. 
I right. want those sorts of interactions, not the ones where, you know, we just get silent and then get awkward and pretend it didn't happen. Well, and then, well, yeah, well, and then, you describe my entire family. <laughs> well, in most of the, it's all guys, you know. You know, yeah. most of the, the relational. That's why I think the the men thing is so interesting because I I feel like this release when you know I think women and I'm generalizing of course are are often more comfortable to share feelings with each other and with other men, but. I think as a whole, generally speaking, that often that's hard for, for men, at least the men that I know in my life, that that's not always easy for them. Mm. We're not taught. No. We're not taught. And anything that we did is when we were little was like, you know, you don't stop crying. I'm really give you something to cry about. Right. right. I got and eventually we, nothing's big enough to cry for. And it's not shared. Like the, 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 the idea that what Taylor, when you were saying how, you know, oh, I'm, I'm feeling this and someone else sort of also says something similar well I'm feeling anxious and it's an idea or a feeling of oh I'm not alone mm-hmm. you know I'm not the only one that experiences this oh yeah oh that, yeah. that can that can be a huge moment for some people who yes. have you know haven't been able to be vulnerable with somebody to really say what's happening for them and then to feel seen and accepted in that place mm. is so huge for people um, yeah but for a guy to get just you know get teary-eyed you know, is very embarrassing for a lot of guys. They're like, oh, you know, hey, you know, forget about yeah. it, you know, kind of thing. We, we try to cover it up. We make jokes about it, the whole thing. One of the things about aging is that men become much more teary. <laughs> the women become less teary because they did all their early crying. And men, men actually, you know, people who talked about their dads are all of a sudden like being very moved and they have tears or they cry. Nobody knows what to do because we didn't grow up seeing men with tears, you know. Unless you had a lot of, you know, exposure to your grandfather or something. So it's really interesting that men actually become much more uh, uh, at least aware of and can allow tears to flow more easily uh, as they age. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it was, you know, such a big moment for me to be able to hold my dad. Like for him to allow himself to do it. My God, he was struggling for months trying to allow himself to do it. And I guess at some point either it was too overwhelming or he felt safe enough with me finally to be able to do that. And I'm just like, wow. Like, you know, I walked in, I walked in and said enough of this. Uh, One Christmas with my father, I just grabbed him and I hugged him and he hugged back. Yeah. And and whenever he saw me from then on, it was hugging, and he'd be like shaking hands with my brothers. Merry yeah. Christmas, Dad. You know, with the hands and everything, and I've got, hey, Dad. <laughs> you know, because I wasn't, I didn't, I, I was more important to risk any sort of rejection that I knew wouldn't happen if I did hug him. Yeah. He just yeah. didn't have it in him. He had no model. Certainly wasn't his father, you know. Yeah. It's very intergenerational, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that's one of the nice things about sort of, you know, our events is it sort of gives us this shared context and, you know, quote unquote safety to turn on, like, try out these things that we feel uncomfortable with. Sometimes it's actually easier to do it with a, a so-called stranger than it is to do, you know, because there's less on the line maybe with the yes, stranger, yes. like your best yes. friend or your brother. It's like, well, they might reject me, you know, and yeah. I really that person. But when you can have these experiences and you survive them and you get to do that a few more times, then you can start to sort of integrate it and that starts to build the trust that Alexia was talking about. And yeah. then, you know, the as you were saying, Gord, you can get to that place where it's just like, 
I'm through with the bullshit. I'm I'm hugging this guy. Exactly. Yeah. It was my dad. It's such a it's such an important need, and and I'm curious around you know with the pandemic, that so many people are feeling isolated and disconnected. And Gordon, I've talked about this a lot in previous shows. So, are are people reaching out in terms of because I know you're you're doing most of the events online. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've done. We've moved everything online since uh, lockdowns first started in Ontario. Yeah. And has that been received well? Like, are because people need? I feel like they need to know what's out there in order to be able to relate like this. Instead of saying, you know, talking about the pandemic, they're actually just speaking about their own experience. Yeah. You know, in the moment, not in the future. Or. Yeah, and and once the lockdowns first started, we we added uh, a few more slots where we did sort of these community calls to check in with people with how they were being impacted by the pandemic because you know. It was just chaos for us in the beginning. Now we're several months into it, and it's sort of old hat, unfortunately. <laughs> right, um, our new normal. At the new normal, yeah. But at that time, you know, we, yeah. would, we would run these calls, and um, you know, just like, hey, we're still there, and how are you doing? You know, so we can still have this connection because we couldn't do it in person. I know a lot of people are just itching for us to get back in, you know, in oh, absolutely in person. Absolutely, um, we all are. And I would love to be able to do that, you know, in a safe way. And, you know, unfortunately, that just doesn't seem it's not at a stage in which I would feel comfortable doing it. And yeah. at the end of the day, you know, to do this while you're wearing a mask, you know, like hiding half the face, it's. Yeah, that's um, really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's just it's just not going to have the same impact. Um, yeah. So I know people are really wanting to do it. And yet, you know, we still have people coming and doing the online thing. So, I mean, our. um our engagement is, you know, is down because we're not able to do it in, in person. And I, like, I think yeah, yeah we're down too. Yeah. Yeah. There's Zoom yeah. fatigue and, and, and. So we're bringing people like you in and, you know, at least. Well, getting, hopefully. Trying oh, yeah. to educate in another way. Yeah. So listen, I just want to get in um, uh, about next week, which is kind of a building on or a variation of. Um, our, our guest next week is actually Marion Little from the Center for Nonviolent Communication, um, which is quite fascinating. Uh, it's a global a global community. It's a, it's an approach to nonviolent living um, developed by um, Marshall Marshall Rosenberg. <laughs> Siri, I hate you. Uh, beginning in the 1960s, and it's been taught as a process of inter, interpersonal communication designed to improve compassionate connection to others. You know, I mean, it's like this one, there's that one. It's, you know, it's rooted in the belief that all humans share the same universal needs, including the sense of being heard, understood, valued, and respected. And the conflicts arise when those words are perceived as threats. Yeah. Yeah, which is really interesting. So I'm really looking forward to marrying a little. Um, Taylor, thank you very much for sharing. Yeah, thank uh, you, Taylor. About authentic relating because... Uh, we need a lot more of it. Thank you. Get the shit out of the way. Give me a shovel. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was great. It was very informative. Thank and you. It was great sharing with you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back next week, as I said, with uh, uh, Marion Little. And you have a great week. Stay safe and be well. Bye now. Good night, everyone. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiousis and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life 
and how they define who you are. 